people usually reach out to me and I get a lot of press releases. I get a lot of like, hey, can you write about my company? But I'm very selective to choose what is actually groundbreaking here and what's new, what hasn't been covered yet. Like I want breaking news. I don't want to see my story on Coindesk, for instance, or they can publish it after I publish it. So I think breaking news and just, you know, revolutionary ways of using blockchain. Welcome to a bit cryptic podcast, where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now, it's time to get a bit cryptic. Howdy, Cryptonauts. Welcome to a special meta episode of a bit cryptic podcast. I say meta because today we are interviewing another crypto podcaster, Rachel Wolfson. She is host of The Crypto Chick, which is part of the Bad Crypto Podcast, if you guys are familiar with that podcast. Rachel is a prolific journalist, having covered the crypto space for about two years now. She is currently a Forbes contributor covering the blockchain space and women in technology as a whole. She's a super smart cookie, and we're super glad to have her on the podcast today. So my name is Jeff Peterson, and today I'm with my co-host, uh, Dung Du. Hey, everyone. It's great to have you on, Rachel. How are you doing today? Happy Friday, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Jeff and Dung. Uh, it's great to be here, and I'm doing well. Yeah. What did you think about the conference, we were, or not the event we originally met at, the, the Art and Blockchain? We had originally talked there. What were your thoughts on the event? Yeah, so I really enjoyed that event. I'd say it was definitely one of my top crypto events because it combined you know, blockchain and art, which was so cool to see and meeting these artists like Vesa who have created that, you know, they've been inspired by the blockchain and cryptocurrency space to create art through that. I mean, it just, it really shows that this space is inspirational for creative types as well. So I thought it was a really great conference. Yeah. It's fun to see that not only is this help like financial systems, which is, I guess, the most obvious application or maybe um, things like logistics, but also reaches out to the art space and actually has some potential profound impacts, which I think is really cool because artists have a history, especially in in recent digital years of getting screwed over. So this is like a chance for technology to help artists as opposed to taking more of their money away. So Right. Yeah. So I thought that was, that was a really important event and just having it being hosted as part of Art Basel Miami really shows the impact that blockchain is having on the art world. Definitely. Yeah. And those of you who, who don't regularly visit Miami or don't know what Art Basel is, it's basically like a week-long art party fest gallery thing. It's like, uh, it's a really unique event. And uh, if you guys have the availability, you should definitely come and check out Art Basel one of these, one of these years. Um, it's super fun. But anyway, let's look at you, the person we're actually interviewing. I want to know more about your background, Rachel. Could you give us a little overview about, you know, how you got into blockchain, um, what you've been doing and and where you're going? I'm interested. Yeah, sure. So I've been writing about technology for about 10 years now. Basically, I started in the startup world and I was working for a big data startup in Tel Aviv um, back, I don't know, eight years ago or so. And I was doing content marketing for them. And I learned all about big data and machine learning and AI and all those buzzwords. And then I moved to San Francisco and I started working for a DevOps startup. 
So I've been writing about tech for a while. Um, and then about two years ago, a good friend of mine introduced me to the world of blockchain. She was like, hey, you should read this company's white paper. Let me know what you think. And I was like, okay, sure. You know, I hadn't heard of blockchain at the time. I didn't know what Bitcoin was and I found it all very confusing. But as someone who's been writing about technology, I did find it interesting and I was like, okay, you know, this is interesting. Um, I want to start learning more about it. So I started contributing articles on blockchain and cryptocurrency to Huffington Post, just, you know, stuff that I found interesting. So uh, those early articles were published there on HuffPost. And then um, I went to my first conference, my first blockchain and crypto conference a year and a half ago in Hong Kong. They found me through my HuffPost column. So I learned more about that there. And then I got on with Bitcoin Magazine as a staff writer. I met the editor there and we chatted. And then one year ago, I started with Forbes Crypto. And I've learned a lot about the space in the past two years. So I guess that's how I got involved. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So what do you think of the things that are most like inspiring to you about blockchain? I mean, I think everyone has this like moment where like it hits them, you know, like the realization of how impactful this technology could be. What are the things or the thing for you that really like hit that got you most excited about this space? Right. I mean, you've been covering tech for a number of years. What makes this tech finally different from the other ones? Yeah. So, I mean, I think obviously one of the most interesting aspects of this space is the whole digital money idea. So cryptocurrency, you know, you don't need to have a bank account anymore. You don't have to use dollars everywhere you go anymore or, you know, any other currency because this can all be digital um, if if everything comes together. I mean, there's already applications of this being seen. Like, um, Jeff, I was just telling you about Poppy, how I was in San Francisco a few weeks ago, and I was able to purchase my lunch with the Tron TRX cryptocurrency. So I think that this tech... (laughs) Yeah, it was so cool. But basically, what's really interesting about this technology and different from the others is that this is something that can really change the world. I mean, a lot of people don't have bank accounts, and this technology is really revolutionary in that regard. Blockchain is also revolutionary in the fact that, you know, you can trace supply chains now, everything is visible, it's transparent, it's peer-to-peer, all parties are able to be involved on one platform. So I think, you know, just those are the ways that blockchain is really interesting and really making a huge impact in this space. I don't think any other technology is really doing the same thing. Hmm. There's a social uh, dimension to this that's, that's more global, and it's more uh, impactful for people in it expands inclusion uh, has broader implications than uh, the, the tech innovations, uh, the previous innovation cycle that, that we've seen. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, it's interesting. For instance, I just wrote an article on Forbes about IBM piloting this blockchain technology and sensor technology to track sustainable water usage in California. So they're applying blockchain to do this. But not only are they doing that, there's also this whole sharing aspect around it. And they've created what they're calling, it's similar to an environmental token. And basically farmers who participate in this pilot are also able to use these tokens to trade water sources with the other farmers involved in this network. So 
that's the great thing about the blockchain and cryptocurrency space is that it's it's a network of people that can use whether it's an asset-based currency or it's like a cryptocurrency, but things can be traded and moved around a blockchain. And so it's not just only a technology, but it's really about community and decentralization because I could be a farmer in California and then you can have a farmer in, I don't know, China, and hopefully they'd be able to share water sources, I guess, somehow digitally by using this token. So you have these disparate communities that previously had no real way of communicating with one another. I mean, they did, but they, it wasn't really unified. And now through a shared token, you have this ability to trade across the globe, like with people who, who have like a shared interest in what you're doing because of you know, it's, it's a farming token it's a, or a water sharing token, I should say. Yeah, it's, it's something that hasn't really ever been possible before, which is really cool. Yeah, it's this whole aspect of decentralization. People can be based anywhere, but they can still share resources. And that's the same, you know, with cryptocurrency. It's like if I was going to travel to China and I didn't want to use US dollars, if there was just a currency that could be used without having the trouble of exchanging money, I mean, it's, it's, all, part, it's all about decentralization. It makes things a lot easier. So speaking of, um, you know, some of these interesting things that are happening, what would you say are the most important things happening in the crypto space right now? Like, what have you seen in terms of trends or, or things that we're, we're working towards as being the most, what are the most important things happening in the blockchain space? Yeah. So since I've been writing about it for a few years now, I've really seen a shift from the 2017 ICO boom to the bear market that we're in now, and then, you know, to 2019. And what is 2019 looking like? Well, I'm not hearing anything really about ICOs, which is great because I never really liked ICOs to begin with. Um, Haters but, gonna hate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, basically, a lot of people are thinking because of the market and because of the ICO you know, crash or, you know, ICOs aren't really relevant anymore. People are thinking, oh, this space is going to hell or it's not here to stay. But I, I'm thinking the opposite because in 2019, we're seeing companies still raising a lot of money and still really um, doing revolutionary things. And these are the companies that are holding strong, that they're, they're still here in this space and they're changing, they're using blockchain, blockchain to change the world. So for instance, like what IBM is doing they're conducting a lot of, where um, they have a lot of use cases where they're applying blockchain technology, like I was just telling you about sustainable uh, water usage, um, also to track food supplies. Um, I think they're doing that with Walmart and Dole. What else? There are a number of startups as well that are doing really great things like uh, Proppy, the blockchain-based real estate platform. They just closed um, a home sale here in California for $1 million dollars. And it was conducted on the blockchain platform completely end-to-end -end using blockchain technology, although the sale was not made in cryptocurrency. The home was purchased in U.S. dollars, but everything was conducted through a blockchain platform. So we're seeing now these real-world applications of blockchain, which we weren't seeing in 2017, and we weren't really seeing so much in 2018, but now we're starting to see it. And we're starting to see less of the ICOs and the scammy, you know, we want money to fund our project, and then they run away. So does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think, you know, this is such a vast space. You have to answer it with a bunch of examples because there's so much going on. <laughs> yeah. So you'll be able to glean these important trends by meeting people and talking to innovators and tech entrepreneurs. So you've interviewed 
quite a lot of, of folks. Like, what would you say would be the, your most interesting uh, interviews recently? Yeah. Wow. That's a really good question. Actually, well, as of recently, and this was something I was just really interested in, I spoke with Ripple. And as you know, you guys know, and maybe the listeners know, they're one of the most mature blockchain companies in this space. And they've added 11 new universities to their blockchain research program. And so they have a total now of 29 universities. And basically what Ripple is doing through this program, I think it's called UBRI for short, they're um, funding research. So universities all over the world, not just in America, can have the funding and support to host um, or to conduct blockchain classes, to host blockchain events, um, to do everything necessary to help the next generation of professionals to better understand what blockchain technology is, what digital payments are, what cryptocurrency is, I mean, all of that. And they're really putting a lot of funding and effort into this program because they know just how valuable it is to teach the future generation about this technology because it's really going to have a big impact. And if blockchain was going away, Ripple wouldn't be doing this. Universities wouldn't be teaching these classes. I mean, UC Berkeley as a whole blockchain at Berkeley group initiative where they're teaching classes. And I mean, this is UC Berkeley, University of California at Berkeley. It's a very good school. The University of Texas at Austin is, Austin is doing it. Duke, Georgetown. I think there's, you know, there's a university in Singapore and Sao Paulo, Brazil that are all part of this program. And it's just amazing. And so I think speaking with Ripple and UC Berkeley and UT Austin about this program was one of my most recent most interesting interviews because, I mean, I'm fascinated by it. Now I want to take blockchain courses because every day I read press releases, but I want to sit in a classroom and be educated about this. I mean, I think that can really help with my writing and really make a huge difference. Yeah, I want to I want to go to that class too. UC Berkeley is also my alma mater, Go Bears. So, uh, yeah, I feel I feel proud of us. We're a good group of good folks. <laughs> yeah, UC Berkeley's an awesome school. I mean, I would love to sit in on one of their blockchain classes and learn from these professors and really hear what they're having to say. Because, like I said, Jeff, I I read press releases every single day, but is this educating me? Not so much. I really would love to sit in a classroom and really be educated. Right. Yeah. 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 So, At first, uh, I, I thought this this trend of uh, universities offering crypto and blockchain courses were, were correlated with the rise of crypto cryptocurrency. That's what that's what you you would imagine um, because you know it caused a lot of hype with you know the, the rise of the Bitcoin prices and so forth. But then I realized that even with the crypto bear markets, more universities are 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 coming out with with offerings, and so. It, so it makes me seem like this is a, a much sustainable trend and, and secular and that there's solid interest um, coming from, from academics and, and institutions and, and people who want to train the, the next uh, innovators and MBA programs wanting to train the, the, the next entrepreneurs. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's exactly the case because, and what's interesting is these programs aren't just being offered to specific, like just to finance students, for instance, they're being offered in the school of engineering, the MBA programs, the school of law, because blockchain technology applies to all of these sectors. It doesn't just apply to finance. And even in this bear market, like you were mentioning, Dong, like we're still seeing this innovation happen. And I think from my perspective, we're seeing it happen even more 
than in 2017 and 2018 because blockchain is really revolutionary. It's not going anywhere. And personally, I don't really write about the market. I don't really own cryptocurrency myself. I don't think that's interesting. I think what's interesting here is the technology and the fact that cryptocurrency can be used to break these barriers, you know, these state barriers, these where you can have money here and use it in a different country or exchange money just a lot faster. So, and all the other benefits. Tear down that wall. So I know you have a column covering women in crypto. Who are some of your crypto girl crushes or rather like who are some of the badass women out there who we need to educate the audience about? Yeah. So, I mean, just thinking off the top of my head, the CEO of Proppy, Natalia, and I can't pronounce her last name because it's, it's a very long Russian last name and it would just sound weird coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but Natalia is great. She's really built this amazing platform and she's been in the game for a while now. So the technology that she's built through Proppy, you know, clearly is innovating. It's not going anywhere, in my opinion. And she's, she's a badass. I mean, they've got a lot of women on their team. And she's going strong and she's got this great mission to um, basically, you know, take the real estate market and apply blockchain technology to that. And that's wonderful. So she's definitely someone who I admire. Maybe we can come back to that question. <laughs> you know, let it simmer a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let it simmer. Um, you know, it's funny. I just sat through a, a lecture on like research on like team psychology and looking at like the dynamics of, of really effective teams. And, and um, one of the things they found was that like the greater the percentage of women in the team, the more successful they tended to be. And there was like, it wasn't a significant, I don't know if the data was significant, but there was like a peak at like in terms of effectiveness of a team um, when the team was mostly women. <laughs> it was kind of funny. So I, yeah, I'm a big proponent of, of, you know, getting more women in this space and like promoting uh, these these superheroes who who I think will attract more more women to the space as well. So yeah. if, you can, if you can think of other people too, we want to promote them. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. I'll definitely get back to that question. I think right now my brain is a little bit fried from all the writing and and so I need to go back to all the interviews I've conducted, but for sure I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. So do you agree that journalism is a dying industry? Some people have said that and I don't what are your thoughts on on, on that as a whole? Yeah, so I mean, I think print journalism might be more um, in danger than online journalism. So, I mean, for me, a lot of the times my articles appear on my Forbes column, which is online. I have been in print uh, magazines before, but I mean, I don't think journalism is a dying field. I mean, we, we report the news. So, I don't think that's going away. Um, I don't think social media or TV or whatever is just going to take over and have people reporting the news on Instagram, right? So I don't think it's a dying field. I'm happy to be a journalist. I'm happy to be a journalist in this space in particular because, I mean, you know, I think one day I'll be able to say that I was one of the, the early journalists in blockchain and cryptocurrency and I'll have a book out on, you know, what I saw dating back to 2017 to the present. So I don't think it's, I don't think journalism is going anywhere. I like that optimism. Makes gives me hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. That's good. I, I think, <laughs> I think you kind of need to be though. And if anything, 
anything novel, you know, like this space is so new. If, if you have uh, too much pessimism about it, nothing, ha- nothing moves, nothing happens. So uh, right. it's kind of, kind of important for a nascent space like this. Um, yeah. So how do you, how do you get inspiration for a story? I mean, you obviously you're very prolific. You, you have a lot of things that you write about. Like how, how do you find some, this, that thing that just sparks your interest enough that you want to, you want to write? And then a follow-up question to that is like, what, what does a typical day look like for you in, in Rachel's world? Mm-hmm. Sure. So I find inspiration through well, first of all, I really like covering breaking news from well-known companies. So like the news with Ripple was great. The news with IBM was great. The news from Proppy about the real estate transaction taking place on the blockchain platform end to end was wonderful because, I mean, although they aren't a huge company like IBM or Ripple and they're a startup, it's still revolutionary to see that you can conduct a real estate transaction on a blockchain platform. So in terms of inspiration, People usually reach out to me and I get a lot of press releases. I get a lot of like, hey, can you write about my company? But I'm very selective to choose what is actually groundbreaking here and what, what has, um, what's new, what hasn't been covered yet. Like, I want breaking news. I don't want to see my story on Coindesk, for instance, or they can publish it after I publish it. So I think breaking news and just you know, revolutionary ways of using blockchain is great. I don't write about the market, like I was saying, and I don't write about ICOs and I don't write about, oh, we just raised this amount of money. Um, I really want to write about revolutionary ways of blockchain being used or digital payments, how that's breaking barriers, uh, like with Poppy, not to be confused with Proppy. So Poppy, (laughs) P-O-P-P-Y, like Poppy Seed. Um, I use their grid card, which acts just like a credit card, except it's loaded with the Tron cryptocurrency TRX. And there was a coffee shop here in San Francisco partnering with Poppy. And you could actually use the grid card to buy coffee at the coffee shop uh, using the Clover application. So, I mean, that's just so cool because that, that story is something that anyone can resonate with. Like my mom can now use cryptocurrency thanks to Poppy as long as she has this grid card and as long as the retailer accepts it, she could literally walk into a coffee shop and buy coffee every day with the Tron TRX through Poppy. So, I mean, that story is so fascinating and I'm so happy I got the chance to interview them on my podcast, The Crypto Chick, a few weeks ago. And uh, to answer the second part of the question, what does a typical day look like for me? Basically, that's me waking up, having breakfast, sending emails, looking at press releases, getting started on a story. And then every single day I work out. And that's usually what I do around noon. I'll do a one hour workout. I'll do a bunch of cardio or Pilates or something like that. And then after that, I'm able to sit down for five hours and write an article. Yeah. Those endorphins are so important to like be productive. I feel like if people who don't exercise are missing out on like such a, I don't know, it changed. I can't, I can't function without working out either. So I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I need to, if I'm going to be sitting for five hours at a desk, like I need to do a 30 to 40 minute run before I just, I can't sit still for that long. <laughs> yeah. It definitely, there's something to, to having a healthy lifestyle. It, it really changes like the game in terms of your ability to be productive and, and focus and be happy in general. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for sharing. Uh, it's, it was always interesting to see like what someone's like daily routine looks like and, and how they go about their day. I, th- I feel like that reveals a lot about 
about a person and also like gives us a view on how we can do things in our own life too. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned also uh, Proppy, uh, another company in full disclosure, I'm an advisor for them. Uh, Deedcoin has, has done the same thing. Like I think over a dozen houses actually on the blockchain um, or maybe like 20 or so. Um, yeah, so it's really cool. There's, there's a bunch of companies in the space doing similar stuff. And uh, it's, it's amazing to see like real world applications starting to happen because I remember back in 2014, um, you know, Bitcoin in the general news was known as something to use to like conduct illicit activities, basically. <laughs> so it's amazing to see how far this industry has come from where people saw it before to where it's going now. And it just gets more exciting uh, every day. Like you said, with all these companies um, uh, creating real world applications and doing things like trading water resources or, or trading houses on the blockchain. Yeah, and I definitely think that that's what we're going to start seeing this year. Um, we're going to see real world use cases of blockchain. And yes, it's still a young technology and there's still a lot of work that needs to be done there. But it's definitely not like this whole ICO boom that we experienced. I think a lot of the companies during that time just wanted to make a bunch of money and then run away with it. And I think, you know, people were like, oh, the market's up. And Bitcoin nearly hit 20,000 last year at the end of December. And people had a lot of money and that's changed. And I mean, now we're just seeing people actually doing something with blockchain, right? So I think, I think it's almost a good thing that this has changed. That's what I think. And I mean, I don't really own any cryptocurrency, so I don't really care about the price of Bitcoin personally. You know, it's not, it's not impacting me. So those are yeah, my thoughts. That's good. I've lost a lot of money, but <laughs> stay positive. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, at this point, I don't know if it's investment bias or uh, just, you know, I think maybe it's just excitement about this space or I don't know, but I, I still have a hopeful view. All these yeah. conferences I've been going to, I just went to the um, North American Bitcoin conference. Everyone had like a pretty optimistic attitude. Like it was definitely a lot smaller, but everyone there was like, oh my God, I'm so happy. Like a crash like happened. I on A, a lot of people actually wanted another one. <laughs> Wow. The people that are there, they're like, they're like, I just want, like, it just cleared away, like, so much, so much BS, like, that I just, oh, I just want a second one. Like, it was, it's so, like, everyone here is, like, the real deal and, like, actually building something. And everyone who's just, like, you know, putting up a bunch of fluff in the air has, has now been cleared. So it's, it's kind of cool to see. Yeah. I mean, I think, and you nailed it on the head right there. It's like this, it's cleared away a lot of the BS. Like, yeah. that's what I've seen too. And the conferences are smaller, but it's like, I'm happy because I don't want to, have some non-legit company pitch me and waste my time. Yeah. Oh my God. Some <laughs> yeah. of the, some of the things I heard last year, like going to conferences, I was like, I really hope. Yeah. Like after the, after the crash came, I'm like, I don't, I, I'm so glad because I don't have to hear any of that, any of that bullshit. Yeah. I'm yeah, not going to call anyone out, but there was some seriously ridiculous ideas. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand. Trust me. <laughs> so we're getting low on time, but um, I guess uh, to close out, I always ask like people, what are some, some of your favorite crypto educational resources mm -hmm. that uh, you think would be helpful to bring people more into this space? Obviously your podcast, the crypto chick, which we're going to link up in the show notes, but uh, any other things you recommend that, that you use to educate yourself? Yeah. So one of my favorite books that I read about a year ago, it's called digital gold by Nathaniel Popper. 
He's a wonderful writer. Um, I think he also has a column in the New York Times still, and he's been writing about blockchain and crypto. But his book, Digital Gold, is really great. It just gives an overview about how Bitcoin got started and what Bitcoin is all about. So that's a really great book. I think that everyone interested in this space should definitely read that. And then, um, yes, the podcast, The Crypto Chick, and the Bad Crypto Podcast with Joel and Travis, they make crypto and blockchain funny. Um, so it's really entertaining to listen to them, but it's also educational at the same time, which is you've got the best of both worlds there. And my Forbes column, I think Coindesk also is a really good publication for uh, you know breaking interesting news. Coindesk is good. And I, I think that, and I haven't done it myself yet, but I would love to take a course at one of these universities that are offering blockchain courses. So I'm going to start looking into courses at the University of Berkeley because I'm based in San Francisco and it's close um, because I want to learn more about blockchain from professors. Like I'm getting a ton of press releases, but I think to really educate yourself, the best way is to sit in a classroom. And I mean, I miss, I miss that atmosphere. I love school. I have two degrees. I could definitely see myself getting a third degree in blockchain and cryptocurrency. And I think the best way to educate yourself is just, just take a course in the classroom online and to read books. Really, that's, those are the best ways. Well, I'm sure they'd let you, they let you shadow the class or, and sit, sit in on it if, uh, if you send them an email. When I, was, when I was going there, they'd let lots of people do that for a lot of classes. So. Oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah. Stop by, I'm sure. I'm sure they'd be nice about it. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be like, can I sit, on, sit in on your class and then yeah. report everything on my Forbes column? Just yes. kidding. <laughs> 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 right, yeah. <laughs> he'll just see like every week, like he'll just see like his lecture, like posted, reposted basically from you. And you're like, huh, that looks like the notes from my class. <laughs> right. You're like, yeah, you, you aren't welcome to come back anymore. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, right. maybe he wants that, you know, some people want the publicity. Yeah, that's Alrighty. true. So where can people f- find more about you? Obviously the Crypto Chick podcast, anywhere else that you want to link up people up to? Yeah. So I'm very responsive on Twitter. So my Twitter handle is at RachelWolf00. And I, I sometimes accept LinkedIn invitations. So feel free to send me a LinkedIn invitation with a message. And I'm also pretty responsive on Instagram. And my Instagram name is blockchain and bikinis, all one word. And, you know, I know it sounds kind of funny, blockchain and bikinis, but it kind of, it really, you know, it's, I'm also a fitness freak. So it kind of represents me because I write about blockchain and I love going to the beach and being in a bikini. And so that's my Instagram. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, I'm keeping it classy, obviously, but it really defines who I am. I think. I'm not going to lie. When I saw that it was your Instagram handle that I found that really endearing. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's different for sure. I don't think any other journalist has an Instagram handle called blockchain and bikinis. (laughs) (laughs) It is like the most unique combination of words I could expect in an Instagram handle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty funny. Yeah. Alrighty. Thank you so much for coming on, Rachel. Uh, It was really good talking to you. For those of you guys don't know, this is actually your second try to get in the podcast. Uh, So um, thank you so much for being a sport and and re-recording with us, Rachel. Shows your commitment. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to A Bit Cryptic Podcast. A Bit Cryptic Podcast is hosted by Alain Leon, Dang Du, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Show notes are by our editor-in-chief, Dang Du. Website is by Sammy Toucan and his team at Pack Surge Media. Remember, 
Nothing we say in this show is meant to be financial advice. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening. And remember, keep it cryptic.